0: This is exactly right.
1: Okay. Here it is. Here's what a crypto trading hamster performs better than Warren Buffett and the S&P 500.
2: <laughs> oh, I only understood the word hamster in that sentence <laughs> you said. <laughs> oh, let's get into some furry crypto bananas.
1: folks, welcome to Bananas. I'm Kurt Braunohler. I am Banana Boy. Number two,
2: Scotty Landis. I am so, so excited to have our guest on because I
1: read her books and I think she could be Banana Woman number three. Oh my God, 100%. Our guest today is an incredibly funny and award-winning science writer and author. Her books, Grunt, Gulp! bonk, spook, stiff, are not only (laughs) insightful and hilarious, but have the best titles in the biz. Thank you. And her newest book, Fuzz, When Nature Breaks the Law, just hit number five on the New York Times bestseller list. Please welcome the incomparable Mary Roach. Woohoo! All right. Hey, thanks. Thanks, you guys. (laughs) Welcome. Thank you so much for being here.
0: Oh, man. I'm so happy to be here.
2: So... You have the new book out. It's called Fuzz. Um, when I heard about this book, when I heard you on Fresh Air, I said, oh, my God, uh, I really, really do feel like you could have been the third banana on this podcast. Because we like, we like true stories about real things that just take this turn. And that seems to be the special, like your specialty with all your books. It's like, here's something we've all heard about, but I'm just going to get to an absurd level of discovering what's really going on. And I love that.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. That is me. That's me all over. Yep.
1: (laughs) And fuzz is about animals breaking the law, and when kind of you know humanity and animals come into conflict
0: with each other. Yeah, exactly. So it goes uh, uh, crime by crime. That's how the book is structured. Obviously, using crime. You know, get quotation marks. I'm doing. Thing with your yes. yeah.
2: air quotes
0: <laughs> air, thank you air quotes it has a name so uh, yeah so we start out with your felony crimes your murder your manslaughter home invasion grand theft sunflower seed <laughs> <laughs> oh, the book is more your misdemeanors get your jaywalking your vandalism littering so I, that's just kind of a fun way to structure the book but it's yeah it's, it's a book about people and animals people and wild animals kind of getting in each other's way and what what how to deal with that? Yeah.
1: The so. jaywalking uh, chapter, I was surprised to learn that a turkey vulture hit uh, the uh, space shuttle on the way up once. I had no, Turkey vultures are big animals.
0: Yeah, yeah, though not compared to a space shuttle. so <laughs> Most of the damage was to the turkey vulture. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. although they were pretty nervous about that at NASA. And, then, oh, and I can't because imagine Because of this incident, there is now. Uh, over at Kennedy Space Center, in the general vicinity, they have a road. This is their term, a roadkill posse, that goes out and cleans up roadkill really fast because they don't want vultures anywhere in the area. Oh, right.
2: Oh, what a dream job!
0: Yeah, roadkill posse. I want to be on the roadkill posse. How have nice ride is horses. that my horses? I don't think they do. Ride uh, horses. Do
1: you think they're out there just like I'm helping space travel? <laughs> yes. Put a dead bird in my
0: head. Standing with a dead decomposing raccoon going, I'm helping put humans in space.
2: <laughs> I was in Louisiana once and I was just telling a story, just no no big deal. But I said the word vulture. I did I was just like, and then these vultures flew in, and all the young I was like 20-ish at the time, and all the people I was with who were from the South all looked at each other and then looked back at me with like a smirk. And I was like what did I say something wrong? And they're like, We've just never heard anybody say vulture. Like, we know what that is, but I was like, Why? What do you call it? And they're like, Buzzards. And I was like, I felt so like stupid. I was like, Yeah, vulture. and they were like, just thought I was like this hoity toity kid from Maryland that was like, Hey, dude, you're using <laughs>
0: vulture? Yeah, buzzard. People say buzzard. That's right. I'm from New England. We, we don't have the B word. We don't say buzzard. No, exactly. Yeah. We don't have, I don't they're... think we have, do we? I never saw a vulture growing up. There. Oh, I Oof. think
1: there's turkey vultures up there.
0: Are there turkey vultures up there? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: I'm from Jersey. I don't know. It's like, them.
0: I grew up in in the sticks, really. You know, I spent all my time in the woods. I don't remember seeing a bear. I don't even remember deer. I don't, like, I, like I've forgotten all the wildlife, which is weird. I, so but, there yeah. were turkey vultures.
1: Yeah. That was one thing about your book for bears that I was surprised at, that bears fight people the way they fight other bears, which is to go for their teeth, which is terrifying which Just is face like-
0: to go for the face yeah, yeah they go right, they use their teeth and they go right for the because the face is lightly furred, uh so you could do more damage and that's not a pretty picture oh, my- no i know i know fortunately pretty rare right pretty rare do you yeah. want to
1: hear about something adorable
2: Yes. Tell us more about this crypto gerbil or crypto hamster.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: This was sent in by Lindsay Heiler on Instagram. Thank you, Lindsay. This is Thank uh, you, Lindsay. This is this was published uh, on NPR, written by Whoa. Deepa Shivaram, who is She's good. the best in the She's, business.
2: She is the best in the business.
1: Uh, the title again is Crypto Trading Hamster Performs Better Than Warren Buffett and the S&P 500. Okay. Uh righty. <laughs> Meet Mr. Gox, a hamster who works out what is possibly the most high-tech hamster cage in existence. It's designed so that when Mr. Gox runs on the hamster wheel, he can select among dozens of cryptocurrencies. Then, deciding okay. between two tunnels, he chooses whether to buy or sell. According to the Twitch account for the hamster, his decision is sent over to a real trading platform, and yes, real money is involved. Okay. Look, we're not telling you to follow in this hamster's financial decisions or that this process is scientific in any way. The human behind this hamster's account and money has not been made public, but we can tell you that his portfolio is up nearly 20% since he started trading in June, according to his Twitter account, and as of September 12th, Mr. Gox was performing better than Bitcoin, the NASDAQ 100, Warren Buffett's (laughs) Berkshire Hathaway, and the S&P 500.
0: So, yeah, wow.
1: there it is. This, and, and it's adorable. It's just a little wooden uh, wheel. And then there's a, like a tag a th- ac- across the top as he turns. It kind of just moves from like Bitcoin to bit- different types of uh, cr- cryptocurrencies. And then it's just two tunnels and they light up when he one- runs through one and it buys and sells. So I guess that's what, that explains a lot about Bitcoin, that it, just, it m- just total randomness could make you a ton of dough.
0: Wow! Yeah, I had a hamster. I want. Oh, uh, yeah? yeah. Was it a, a
2: favorite pet? A beloved pet?
0: Mm, no, no. I was <laughs> no. I I was a I was the kind of child that would decide that I wanted a pet, and um, yes. and then just just get just dis, just disenchanted. And this mm-hmm. hamster was named Goofy Gus, which I think my dad named that hamster because there was some old timey okay. character named Goofy Gus. But Goofy yeah. Gus. Oh, God, it's got a, uh, something happened to his eye and it kind of like got big. happens all the time? Really? Did your hamster, did you have a?
2: Mine got out. I had one named Cheerios. We talked about him on the podcast before. It got out for about six weeks and then I was playing a game in my neighbor's yard and just saw Cheerios running across the yard. So <laughs> we thought it was a boy, we caught it, we gave it to another neighbor, and then it gave birth. So uh, it was a, a true mystery of a
1: hamster. It's like yeah. six weeks out in the wild. <laughs> it's the best time that hamster ever had.
0: <laughs> I knew this girl, Ellen Minard, and she had a uh, hamster that got out. They're always getting it they're always escaping. They're not happy. They are yeah, just gave it. So they did they they didn't know where it went and uh, uh some weeks later began to smell something and mm. found it behind the electric organ. It had been oh, electrocuted yeah. Uh, behind huh? yeah, by that in the happen. electric organ.
2: <laughs> oh my god. They just keep getting the organ tuned. Like, They're like, come this, on. This is
0: like F sharp is something's wrong here. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, oh boy i understand that idea of like getting disenchanted with a pet i remember i got a rabbit as a pet when i was i don't know must have been like a nine or something sweet and pet. you're just you're just like oh well, this is gonna be the sweetest pet ever and it was just it was an angry rabbit the <laughs> the cage we had to, <laughs> kept we had to keep we kept it outside for some reason i don't even understand the the details of it Yes, mm-hmm. exactly, right? It was outside in the wintertime. We had this whole, like, contraption. I could just kind of, like, walk over in front of its jail cell, and it would, like, peer out at me hate, hatefully. And I would be like, I, I don't understand why we're not in love. <laughs> but it was just like, oh, well, because we put it in a
0: jail cell in the backyard in February, maybe. <laughs> I got an aquarium once, and I got it got taken over by those little horrible snails, tiny little snails, yes. and I, I didn't want to deal with it anymore. Uh, so uh, there were the, the remaining fish. I flushed them down the toilet. I f- feel really mm-hmm. sad to say this. Really embarrassed. I was young. I was what? I was in like fourth grade. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I and I one time I for I used to do celebrity interviews and I was interviewing Nicolas Cage who had an octopus in a giant aquarium and I told yeah, him of course my story of the fish mm-hmm. and I mm-hmm. told I shared that embarrassing fact that I had flushed the remaining few down the toilet and like the interview went on. And then like f- half an hour later, he, st- he goes, you know, you could have given those fish away. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, during the interview, he said it yeah. or like after it was over. No, during, during the, I mean, it was live. I was taking, you know, recording it, whatever. But, oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. But he just, he brought it up again. And then years later, there was a news story about Nicolas Cage and it said, the person said, "I understand you, Nicolas Cage. I understand you flushed fish down the toilet." And he goes, "No, that was the reporter. And it, like it came back. Unbelievable. It was just weird. Nicolas Cage dead fish thing in my life. I have
2: a theory about Nick Cage because he." He made so many great movies early on, incredibly good movies and really interesting performances, an absolutely talented guy. Then now he's in this weird area where he makes any movie. You can turn on all the streamers and watch any – like I have a, my buddy Pat Walsh and I will text and I'm like, have you seen this? And he's like, I've seen it, but I think we're the only two people in the world that have seen this movie. But I have this weird feeling – that because he is so good and because of exactly what you said, he has like this uncanny ability to surprise you all the time, that he might come back and win another Academy Award and make five great movies in a row and will have like a reverse bell curve career <laughs> where it's just like, or a double bell curve. That's probably what it'll be. I just feel
1: like Nick Cage is going to make a huge comeback. Oh, Scotty. And like Pig. Pig is it. Yeah, Pig like, is it. You guys it. have seen I think, Pig is it. I haven't seen He's Pig, so but good. I
0: hear I hear it's really Have you seen it?
1: Yes, I've seen yeah, it. And it's, it's good. weird and good and beautiful and fascinating. And he's just excellent in it as well. So That's so cool. It's very when cool. I,
2: hearing that fish story, when I was in college, uh, I lived off campus junior and senior year. And we got an aquarium because we were bored and we wanted to have pets just like all of us. So we all got fish and then we all kind of knew whose fish was them. Everybody had their fish. And one of my roommates, Fish, died when he was in class. And so we flushed it down the toilet. And my uh, then roommate, Franco, comes in and we're like, hey, dude, uh, your fish died. And he like goes over to the aquarium. He's like, where? And we were like, oh, we, uh, we flushed it. And he's like, what? <laughs> and we're like, yeah, we flushed it in the toilet. He goes, what do you mean? And we were like, I'm so sorry. Like, we didn't want a dead fish just floating around the tank the whole time, maybe infecting the other fish or whatever. He goes, I was going to burn that fish. And I go, what? He goes, I was going to burn that fish. And we all thought he was just joking. We were like, what do you mean? He's like, I wanted – he wanted to build like a little Viking pyre in the backyard (laughs) and send it to fish heaven but we didn't know this. So so we were like you were what and so he just starts yelling I was going to burn that fish. And we all think this is a bit. We're like, "Oh, Franco's just doing a bit." <laughs> then he goes into his room for about 4 hours playing Let the Bodies Hit the Floor by that band Drowning Pool <laughs> at full volume. So we're like, "He's really got, we're like, is this the best comedy bit or is he really angry at us and wants us all to die for flushing his dead goldfish?" And then he comes out, yells, I wanted to f- I wanted to burn that fish, walks outside, gets his truck, peels out into the highway, almost gets in a car accident, and then didn't talk to us for the rest of the night. <laughs> and I asked him about it last year over Zoom doing like a choir drinks. I was like, did you seriously – he was like – No, I wasn't really that mad. I was a little mad, but then it did become a bit. But for about 12 hours, we weren't sure if we were living with an actual murderer who was so mad because he wanted to give a Viking funeral to his fish.
1: (laughs) Also, giving a Viking funeral to the fish is definitely not sending it to fish heaven. That's definitely sending it to hell. (laughs) The toilet is the fish heaven.
0: Well, at least he waited until it was dead. At least you waited until it was dead before you flushed it down the toilet.
1: I, I, I have agree. a little. We 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 did do a story recently that their Lake Huron is now currently overwhelmed with goldfish. They have. Millions and millions of oh. goldfish because most, you know, oh, yeah. most home fish are very hardy species. And that's why they're, you know, given to children to just keep in a tank. And so a lot of them do survive the trip through the toilet uh, into <laughs> waterways. And so much so that there's like a problem. Like they have to cull millions of uh, goldfish out of Lake Huron currently. Well, I'm, so maybe. Well, I'm,
0: I'm glad to hear that maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe they survived. A septic exactly. tank. I had yeah. I had a lot of horrible. Oh, it was a septic
1: tank? Oh, yeah, maybe. Yeah.
0: We had a septic tank, Kurt. So oh, it's dead. Bad. So I'm thinking probably, if they did survive, they wanted to be dead. Yeah. 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 They would rather be dead for sure. I had a crayfish once that I took home from the classroom. I'm like, I'll, I'll take the crayfish. His name was Rudolph. I'll take the crayfish, and I had it in a tub, and I would feed it tuna, <laughs> and I realized. Again, very quickly, I don't want, I don't want a crayfish (laughs) and this one, I took it down to the pond and let it go. It's probably just the wrong, complete wrong ecosystem for a crayfish. But anyway, yeah, I wasn't good with pets.
2: Do you feel like part of the reason that you write the types of books that you do is because you lose interest in topics <laughs> and like that you like to like f- focus on something and then put it behind? I you?
0: have a short attention span, whether it's pets or books. Yes, yes, definitely. I like people. People, my editor would go, Mary, Mary, don't you think you should do a follow up to Stiff, like Stiff Two or Stiffer, whatever it is? And I'm yeah. like, no, like you can't. I know, I'm done with the dead people. I love them. They yes. were very good to me. The cadavers, they were my friends. And now I'm done. I've like, flush, yes. flushed them down the toilet.
2: A true artist. I absolutely get it. Yep. Yes, exactly. Oh, and we are a huge chunk of our fan base are true crime fans. They came over from the My Favorite Murder podcast. We call them the Murderino Bananimals. And if any of the Murderino Bananimals out there haven't read Stiff, which is the life of cadavers, what happens to mm-hmm. dead bodies, it is so fascinating it's it's just awesome, and I think all our true crime fans will love that. True one. crime, okay. that's
0: cool. I, this is uh, uh, I just saw on Twitter that I think it's like crime reads or some you know true crime type uh-huh. uh, Twitter feed. Uh, it has yeah. picked, picked up fuzz because you know there's all these criminal forensics crime. of attack scenes and stuff. Yeah. So this is a new audience for me, the true crime one. Yeah, Here yeah, kind of on the in a weird sideways way. I'm in. So are we. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we are too.
2: We're like the dumb brothers. We're like the goofball brothers. They're like, who likes to party? And they're like, after Dateline's over, we will have one you. Uh, Okie dokie. Let's move off of death. Let's move into thought experiments, which I'm sure when you're coming up with your ideas, and Kurt, I know as a stand-up, you do this too. This one I just couldn't resist. This is sent in by kg 21 Thank you, kg 21 Written by Kurt. This guy's really good. Mm -hmm. Reed McCarter. You like Reed McCarter? Oh, you mean the best in the business? Yeah, he's that good. Uh, He is a writer for the AV Club, and we actually legitimately love the AV Club. Mm -hmm. Um, Here's a scientific inquiry into the number of s'mores you could make out of the stay-puffed marshmallow man's body. (laughs) This is great. I think this is going to be up all of our alleys. When Gozer the Gozerian was defeated after taking the dread form of a towering, stay-puffed Marshmallow Man. Uh, This isn't Ghostbusters to anybody under 30 years old, I guess. Um, The ancient God of Destruction's avatar exploded into a massive shower of melted sugary goop. Uh, Now, the Marshmallow Man's innards looked pretty tasty, so at Mel Magazine, they took the logical step of asking a mathematician to calculate exactly how many s'mores these delectable monster innards could create. This is great, right? I mean, who doesn't want to know how many s'mores you can make out of the Stay puff Marshmallow Man? After establishing that, somehow, there wasn't a clear answer to this pressing question available on the internet already, which is shocking. It is weird. Bri- right? Uh, Brian Van Hooker decided to bring his query to Notting Trent University mathematician, James Hind. So, they know that the Marshmallow Man was precisely... 112.5 feet tall. Uh, that <laughs> well,
0: How do they, how know, do they know this?
2: <laughs> That's I guess that is available online. Oh, no, it's in bonus features of Ghostbusters. Oh, okay. uh. So the DVD life got us again. <laughs> um, rest in peace, DVDs. Uh, Hind was able to start on the process of an, uh, breaking down the creature into sections <laughs> that allowed him to create a volumetric marshmallow model. Uh, Through the elaborately calculated figures and graphs, Hind was able to determine that the Marshmallow Man has a cubic volume of 151,960.2 cubic feet. Uh, He took away non-marshmallow bits from the equation, such as the Marshmallow Man's pupils. (laughs) 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 mouth, neckerchief, and certain parts of his hat. Oh, my God. I love this guy. So the edible parts uh, leave 151.772.2 cubic feet or just uh, a weight of 4.7 million pounds. (laughs) So (laughs) Van Hooker used some store-bought marshmallows uh, and math to convert all of his knowledge into the uh, answer is he can make uh, 300 million standard size marshmallow s'mores. Wow! So the State Puff Marshmallow Man could feed almost everybody in America. Could get one s'more from the Blown Up State Puff Marshmallow Man.
0: Oh, I love that. I love that. That's the way my brain works.
2: Yes. I I was hoping I, and yeah. so it would be 150 million graham crackers and 75 million Hershey's bars and so yeah, every, almost everybody in the United States could get a s'more from the blown up state puff marshmallow man.
0: See, that's how my wa- brain works. I had a job I had a job uh, in the public affairs office well it was a trailer mm-hmm. at the zoo a public like, public relations type person and uh
1: really that seems fun yeah, it this was, was before you started writing yeah
0: books, yeah yeah right? back yeah in my 20s and um uh but i wasn't really cut out for public relations because i would i didn't do damage control i didn't spin things like i got a call once from a reporter who said we heard a rumor that the cheetah a cheetah at the zoo was sucked dry by ticks and they asked me to to comment on this and rather than deny it, you know, or do damage control. I was like,
1: "Whoa, Mm. how
0: many ticks would that take? Like, and I'm like saying to the reporter, we can figure this out. Like how much blood in a cheetah, how much blood per tick, how many ticks would it take? And my boss, my boss is like, Mary, what are, what are you doing? Just deny it. It's not true. Uh, So anyway, I, I can totally relate to that. I would spend a whole Ugh. afternoon doing that. I did not figure out the cheetah tick issue, but I, that's the kind of thing. Now that I can do now that I'm free to write books, that's the kind of rabbit hole I love. Awesome, they figured it out.
2: Yeah, they did. I once did that on Twitter. I wanted to see how much it would be to fill a king size waterbed with Bailey's Irish cream, yes. and I just put it to Twitter. <laughs> and I'll look it up because I, I, I had a lot of people respond, but pe- like I would say 30 people. gallons or something? Yeah, it was a crazy number of bottles. I'll try to find it. But it made me laugh so hard because the number of people that were like, okay, the average California king is this big, and this is how many gallons. And they broke it down, so I was like, okay, I will need – Four hundred and seventy bottles of Bailey's Irish Cream to sleep on a Bailey's water <laughs> which has always been a dream
1: of mine. Always a dream. I wonder oh, yeah. It's probably a little bit different. You know the vis- the density the viscosity is different. Of Bailey's, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and, too.
0: and if it leaks, it's a hell of a mess to clean up.
1: No. Yeah. All the stickiness. A lot of stickiness. Yeah. Horrifying. You
0: don't
2: want that. You don't want it. Kurt, do you want to tease us into a uh, commercial break, my friend? I sure do.
1: Oh heck yeah! Here it is. Okie dokie. Shark gives virgin birth to miracle baby in all female tank.
2: Oh, oh yeah. fun. It's a Jesus shark. Nature finds a way. Bananas. Bananas.
1: are back. Scotty, do you have any shout-outs before we get back? to our wonderful guest.
2: I have a bunch. Do you have any, too? Because one of mine kind of leads into a story also. Okay. Uh, You go ahead. Okay. So, first off, is a big shout-out to a newlywed Bananimal named Nate. Uh, His partner, Samantha, DM'd us on the Bananas Podcast uh, on Instagram. And she said... Samantha is six weeks through a 12-week cancer treatment, and she just wanted to thank Nate for being so incredibly supportive and patient. Nate, Kurt and I think you're a very good man. Thank you for doing that. Me too. Yes, and Mary does too. Um, Happy belated birthday to Russell Bell from Re. Happy belated birthday to Zoe Davis, who is a longtime British bananimal. Thank you so much, Zoe. I hope this is the best year of your whole gosh darn life. And happy belated birthday to Sarah from Josh, Harper, and Charlotte. Sarah, I believe, is a murderino-bananimal and
1: uh, uh, one heck of a cool lady. So thank you and happy birthday to everybody. What you got, Curtie B? Uh, Nothing. Just as a reminder that we have our shows. Uh, Yes. You know, if you want to come see us live. Chicago, New York, Brooklyn, Indianapolis, Fort Wayne, Hampton, Connecticut. Come on out. And we will be doing a thing... uh, Bananas confessions, Scotty. Yes. Uh, at the shows, so come bringing your confessions on small pieces of paper. There will be a box at the door. You can put them in, and then we will choose specific confessions. Uh, That's right, right at the front of the, of the stage.
2: Show. So make them real. We don't, you know, we don't want like help them trapped in a box. We want your real bananas confessions. Please don't confess to murdering anybody because we know Jensen and Holes, and we will sick them on you so fast. <laughs> Nobody gets out of those theaters alive. But uh, yeah, we'll have paper and pens there too. If you think of something on the day, but we will read those confessions and talk about them at the show. So you know, don't say hi. My name's Anthony, and I do this hor- horrific thing. Um, and then this is my last one. And Mary, sorry, we're going to loop you into this one because we gotta we gotta give a shout out, Kurt, to Jake Brown, our good buddy. Yes. Uh, Jake Brown, who uh, helped us with our first live stream banana show and is just a a really funny writer and great dude, tweeted something that has become a reality that we need to talk about. If you live in Colorado, if you live near Denver, uh, this is coming from foodandwine.com, written by Jalisa Castrodale. (laughs) There is a Jägermeister and Chowder Festival happening on October 16th at Sloan's Lake. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Jake tweeted out the worst food and drink combination. Twitter decided
1: that it was Jägermeister and Chowder. It's called Chowdermeister. And Jake and Sam have put it on. They've created it. They've made it a reality based on a Twitter joke. And it's so. happening. So... We encourage all... I might fly out for it because it's yeah. so stupid and absurd.
2: It, there are $25 tickets where you get samples of various chowders <laughs> and Jägermeister cocktails. <laughs> Holy shit, this is so, stupid, so <laughs> I stupid. love it. It's created by actual real chefs in uh, Denver, as well as there's a top chef uh, who will be there, Carrie Baird, a top chef alum. So the food is actually going to be good. This isn't just a reason to go throw up on your friends, even though it also is that. Um, there's a $50 ticket available uh, where you get Chowder and Jaeger and all those great drinks, as well as access to the Fizz Garden, which comes with unlimited samples of beer and hard seltzers. So wash that Chowder and Bread Bowl and <laughs> Jaeger down. Oh, God. It's And all this is going to a charity because they're such great people. It's going to The Gathering Place, which is a Denver-based nonprofit that offers a number of resources to people experiencing homelessness. Go to Chowdermyce.com. Banals, wear your shirts. Take photos. Support our good buddies. Oh, thank you so much, Chowdermeister. Oh
0: God. <laughs> oh my God.
1: Yeah, it's very disgusting. Oh. Mary, uh, tell us more about fuzz. Is there yes. a specific uh, crime that was one of your favorites or most surprising to write about?
0: Um. Well, there was a. Um. There was a crime that there were a couple. Uh. Gull related crimes uh, that oh, happened at the, worst, sons of at the Vatican. They were both Ugh. at the Vatican. The the thing that got me interested in the Vatican's gull issue was the um, okay. It's uh, there's this once a year Pope. The Pope comes out onto the balcony above St. Uh, St. Peter's Square. There's like big cool. crowd down below, and mm-hmm. it, it's like some sort of international Children's Day. Uh, And he comes out with a child or two, and they release a white dove in a gesture of peace. Okay. Absolutely. uh, So they let the dove go, and this gull comes screaming in and just grabs the the peace dove. And of course, yes, the gull is Satan. (laughs) Uh, And this is, of course, caught on video and broadcast all over uh, the world. Uh, You probably or possibly saw it. Uh, and then uh that was the end of that dove release oh. gesture because the I, the next year they released I'm told in the following year they released a helium balloon in the shape of a dove <laughs>
1: <laughs> to kill a sea turtle <laughs>
0: yeah yes, exactly, not realizing that yes, but um
2: I love that kind of story. it happens so much, yeah.
1: Uh, it's so, so... Just just the
0: irony of the, you know, the peace gesture, just... Ah. (laughs) They should just release
1: like 30 of them. Just give one a fighting chance. Yeah, Yeah. make it odds makers. (laughs)
0: Yes, that would have been the thing. A flock would have been a smarter idea.
2: Yeah, And it's so nice there were two children with a bird's eye view of that exact thing to happen. Selected from <laughs> right the Italian hand. masses, like, oh, this is your moment. You were yes. with
1: uh, God's right-hand man. C- prepare to be amazed. Yeah. This is Oops! I love yeah. that this is a Vatican story, because it ties perfectly in with our virgin birth. Oh, yes. Shark gives virgin birth to Miracle Baby, an all-female tank. This was sent in by... Uh, Maddie Parks on Instagram. This is uh, love that Maddie Parks published in a website entitled "Interesting Engineering." And oh, okay, <laughs> I'll take it. Uh, I'll take when it. I get home from work, I kick off my
2: shoes, I put on my slippers, <laughs> I open up my Kindle Fire, and I read whatever you said.
0: <laughs> you know what the best engineering magazine title I found when I was working on this what? book because I was up with some guys who blow up roads and stuff, uh, and uh, there is. Uh, I, A journal. It's an industry title. It's a journal, and it's called the Journal of Explosive Engineers.
2: (laughs) We gotta get a copy. We gotta get a copy. Explosive engineers.
1: Boom! Oh my God! There goes Kurt. (laughs) I love vocational magazines. There's one that I've always seen around that's just called Super Lawyers. Which is just so? What a funny idea for a magazine! It's a serious magazine. I
0: love those. I love those. Those those targeted audience professional journals. They're the best. Oh my god! It's
1: just mainly one person putting it together with
0: (laughs) (laughs) and ten subscribers.
1: Yeah. Yes. (laughs) But they still print. They still print. Absolutely. Uh, So this was written by Ermac uh, Bakeratter. Thank you, Ermac. Really good. Um,
2: Maybe the best in the business. I think the BITB.
1: Uh, a rare event has taken place in the Caliganoan Aquarium in Sardinia, Italy. A smooth hound shark gave birth to a baby shark with any without any male interference in the tank she Perfect. has been living in for the past 10 years with only another smooth hound female and no males, reports Argentia Italia. This yes. could prove to be the first and only parthenogenesis example in the specific species of shark, and hence the newborn female shark is hmm. named Ispera, which means hope in Sardinia, in our Sardinian. Uh, I Pretty love that name. it's named Hope. We're just Pretty like, name. fingers crossed, we can get rid of all the males.
0: <laughs> Who needs them? Right. <laughs> Who needs them? Wow. Are they, are they yeah. I wonder if they're. How maybe because some it's it's difficult to sex some species you know, like chick sexers.
2: Thank you. People who, yeah.
0: I mean, those people are paying a lot of money because they can they can very quickly sort. It's almost like this ESP that they have because there's no there's no external sign. Right. Just, yeah, they don't have a ding they dong. Don't have a ding there, right. the wind? There's a no. shark. Does the male shark have a ding dong? I don't know. I think they're probably less difficult
1: know. to sex uh, as well. <laughs> have a, speaking of um, chick sexing, did, has anyone okay. seen Minari? That was very good. That's, that's about, that has yes. a, a big portion of it's about chick sexing. That is where is.
0: my chick sexing oh. knowledge comes from. Boom! Oh. Mine too. <laughs> that was a good film.
1: They should have called it chick sexing. I think a lot of people mm-hmm. would have seen it then. It would have raided through the roof.
0: Because <laughs> that's fun to say chick sexing. It really chick is. Chick sexing.
1: Um, So, this is virgin birth in animals. The surprising event is only thought to be due to parthenogenesis, literally Greek for virgin birth, an asexual reproduction model that needs no sperm to fertilize the egg. Parthenogenesis could be seen in species such as some reptiles, fish, and even birds that normally reproduce sexually, but is especially favored in low-density populations where females have little chance of meeting partners. Basically, what happens is a very... Uh, the egg uh, is fertilized by, by a very immature young other egg, which almost acts like a sperm. And oh. so, although it's the same genetic uh, information, they're always female because there is no uh, Y chromosome. Uh, so, they're always a female. Wow. And uh, usually, and it, it's an exact clone of the mother. And they usually, just like most clones, have a, have a low probability of survival um, because they're just not as hardy genetically. Uh, but it seems so far that Ispera is doing very well. And it, the, apparently this happens in many, many different species, which I had no idea about.
0: So, so another offspring in the womb is fertilizing... No, Wait, a very,
1: a very, I'm sorry. A very immature egg. So the egg oh. is fertilized by another egg, but the egg that's doing the work of the sperm, quote unquote, is a very has just been created. So it's much smaller. Uh, you know, similar to the and, geni- and,
0: oh, and how do they link up? How do they hook up those two?
1: Uh, yeah,
0: you know what? Interesting
1: engineering doesn't get that deep <laughs> into it. Nope.
0: Because I'm nope. wondering how what the sex what the. You know the event looked like
1: right. Yeah, um, it looks like a miracle, Mary. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> you know what I what I learned on when I was reporting in New Zealand. I, I was talking to somebody who knows a lot about stoats, and he told me, "What's a stoat?" It's kind of like a weasel. I think. Okay. In fact, our we one of our weasels is known as a stoat. There.
2: Oh heck, it's yeah. one of those right.
0: fierce tubular guys. You know, kind of yeah. long, yes. skinny, kind of mink like. He said that Curry this snakes. particular stoat that the um that the father uh comes in when the when the, the you know they've had a brood and they've got babies uh, the the baby is impregnated while it's still like it's like a newborn and the the father huh. impregnates its offspring and then I think there's a I guess a delay obviously because uh it, it's a little baby it's not going to give birth I, and i was like my goodness <laughs> he, whoa, he <laughs> whoa whoa that that's a lot of crimes all tied together There, all wrapped up into one well, That's like common in stoats i i could this is what this is what he said and uh i i didn't put it in the book because i i couldn't find it uh, on the internet so maybe people who are listening can verify that but it was just uh, kind of an interesting animal sex story oh yeah yeah impregnating his own offspring while they're
1: still in the nest. Wow! Oh. Hey, dude, dude. <laughs> no good, Stoats. Yeah, no good. Looking good, Stoats. And if anyone has Stote information about that, please. Uh, you're you're the one person that I've ever heard uh, give the fact that uh, the human body can orgasm after death.
0: Yeah. Well, if you if you hit the nerve right, it's a reflex. Yep. There's all kinds of weird reflexes, like the Lazarus reflex, where the, the corpse, the body like sits up and crosses its <laughs> yes. arms, the Lazarus. What? Read, like, yeah. Like it, it, and can you imagine if you're in the morgue late at night? That's kind of a creepy thing to witness. There. Yeah.
2: Oh, okay. I was waiting tables in Brooklyn about 12 years ago, and all the guys that would hang at the bar were retired cops or retired criminals. And if you could get them to have that third drink, you would get the greatest stories. I don't think I've ever told any of these guys stories. But they just had the best stories all around. And there was this one really, really sweet older guy uh, and retired cop, uh, Brooklyn cr- Homicide as Hulk in the 70s, which is crazy to even think about. Oh, yeah. And he would eventually have like one Bex too many and just start being like, hey, Scotty, you want to hear a good one? And he told me this story once that he was like probably 10 years in, gets a call that there's a dead body down like Sheepshead Bay. Goes in the apartment. There's a dead guy sitting there and a he, uh, heart attack. They were like, I think it was a heart attack. And so no crime committed. They put a rookie cop, this young guy, and they're like, sit with the body into a corners, coroner's get here. And when the corner report came in, they were like, there was a shooting in Sheepshead Bay. And what had happened is the corpse had sat up and the rookie cop shot it three times in the chest because he was so afraid. He thought it was like coming back to life. And so oh. they had to explain that it wasn't a homicide, <laughs> that it was natural death because I, I, you're the second person I've ever heard talk about that. Because I always thought it was a lie. But yeah, he said it sat straight up on the sofa, dead. And this rookie cop just freaked out and fired away because oh he God. thought a zombie was in the
0: room. <laughs> yeah. I would not know what the hell was going I, on. I think that would be quite alarming. For sure. <laughs> yeah, I would be yeah. alarmed. Yeah. No, uh, they and they also uh, – they used to have this thing in uh, where people – because it wasn't that easy to figure out if you were dead back in the day because it was before Yeah, they, they, they couldn't measure brain waves – Sometimes yes. if you were, you had a really faint heartbeat, they, they wouldn't hear it. and yes. They go, yeah, 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 she's dead. And then, but they start, you know, carting, they off the person off to be buried. And then the person would wake up and go, what the fuck, what? And then, so, yes. so people were really scared about being buried alive. So they were in these coffins where um, if the person woke up, they could pull a little string in the coffin and it would ring a bell in the mortuary. Like, yes. Okay. Hey, I'm alive. Come and dig me up. Oh, but so, so what awesome. happened, because they tie it around part of the body, I guess maybe the hand. <laughs> so the person could pull it. I but anyway, so. yeah. the, uh, that sometimes when bodies decompose, you know, that's they sort of collapse. So there were times when oh. the body kind of collapsed and it pulled the
1: Ooh. alarm, uh,
0: thereby completely freaking out the mortuary staff.
1: Of course, Ooh. because if it's decomposing, it's been in there for a while. It's, and the yes. idea that all of a sudden a live person wakes it's, up a year later. It's
0: zombifying in the, co- yeah. in the coffin. Yeah.
1: Oh, my God. that's terrifying. But they,
0: but they were <laughs> like, they didn't, mm-hmm. you know, they didn't know it was because it was decomposing. They're just like, this person is awake. We've buried the person alive.
1: let's tell their family before we big dig it up yeah
2: (laughs) that is so cool all right you guys want another one here yeah see oh Mary, i have a writing question i'm a writer i write tv and movies Uh never written a book but i was wondering because your books really are so funny do you finish your book and then do a punch pass where you add comedy in a second or third draft? Uh,
0: not the whole book, but uh, while I'm writing a chapter, I'll go back over it. Uh, punch pass. I didn't know there was a term for it. Wow, cool. Yep. Um, like I'll, there'll be a paragraph or a section. I'll be like, "This is too flat. I need something. Some, this, something's got to break this up and, and and make it funny or surprising or something." So yeah, kind of. Yeah. I kind of do that. Or like oh, yes. I, like this has to be a little less it's too flat we gotta gotta, punch it up up. mustard on it yeah punch it up yeah
2: in tv and movies a lot of times they'll hire writers just to do a punch pass where you just make every scene funnier any way you see fit you make characters bigger but it's especially what you do in your writing in your prose is it's really those tags or those buttons or just adding that little extra thing at the end uh and so yeah, I was so curious because I when I write features, so 110 page movie script, I even a comedy, I will go my first drafts aren't funny. They're you yeah. know there's the situations are funny. Agreed. But yeah. the dialogue isn't funny and then I spend almost the entire second draft just making everybody funny.
0: Yeah, right, right. First you just got to get the action and the plot and where everything's going. The get stuff. the framework. And yeah. then yeah, it's kind of like I kind of picture like I don't do sculptures, but think you had this mound of clay, first you just got to get the general body form. And then maybe you go yes. in and like you do the eyelashes, you do the you know, whatever you're, you, you kind of finesse it. And if it's, you want it to be funny, then you got, that's what you got to do. That I didn't know there was such a thing. That what a fun job!
2: Oh, oh yeah. it's the greatest. And I get to do it for animated stuff, which is really fun. Like I did a punch pass on Sonic the Hedgehog, I did Ferdinand the Bull, cool. I did Detective Pikachu. Uh-huh. And they, because you can reanimate the animated characters' mouths, They can say Um, other things. They can say whatever the hell they want, and be and so like sometimes you're literally writing alt alternative like alt jokes, uh, and they'll come in and they'll go, okay, this line I need five alt, and then they'll send somebody back within like ten minutes and take it into the room where the actor is recording the VO, and they'll be like, that was great. Do you have anything? And then you just do it like on the fly, and it's kind of like boiler room. It's sort of stressful. But it's also really fun because when you go back and if you've read a script and then you watch the movie and it's so much funnier, you know that there were like 10 writers that did these punch ups at the last
1: minute. Oh,
0: cool. That's amazing. I didn't know that. We'll we'll
1: even do it on set. Like I've been on set writer where you're literally while it's being shot, watching it and then writing new jokes and then like giving them to the actors and then they just reshoot the scene and they do new lines.
0: That sounds like high pressure, though. I gotta be, I gotta be having, like, I gotta do it at my own leisurely pace. The very very
1: first, the very first time I ever did it, the first day I worked, it was for this movie, The Big Sick. And Holly Hunter's in that movie. And I was in there. The very first thing, they're like, all right, um, go give punch up to Holly. And that was my first time ever. So I'd like go into a bathroom. So intense. And, and sit on a toilet. <laughs> and Holly like sat on the edge of the, of, the, of, the, of, the, uh, of the tub. And then I was like, okay, so you could say this and you could say this. And she just stared at me. She had never gotten punch up on a movie ever, <gasps> ever, ever. Wow. Um, and she just stared at me. And I read all of my jokes Which, you know, and she just stared at me totally stony. And then she went, okay. And then I was like, oh, my God, she hated all of them. And then she went and, like, just killed them. Like, nailed every single one. And then came back and was like, that was fun. I want more (laughs) punch-up. Oh, wow. That was the most terrifying.
0: Oh, God. I mean. uh,
1: Mary, I think you could do it. I think uh -uh. you could do it. No
0: way. Couldn't do that. Could not do that. I'm um, not I'm not that snappy. Okay. I'm not snappy enough. You guys are snappy. That's you've got the snappy jobs. I'm I'm the I'm a plodding I'm a plotting thing. Slow. Yes. Slow.
2: But just like you, as soon as I'm done with a script, I don't ever want to think about it again. I just like turn it in and move on. And when people are like, Do you want to go back and change that a little bit? I'm like, I think I would rather go. <laughs> I, I just I lose interest in stuff, even stuff that I've created. I'm like, no, I just want to think about the next thing, please. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. People go people go, Oh, and when you when you're when you finish a book, do you like write some articles like on this on the same topic? I'm like why would I do that? Why? (laughs) Why? No.
1: (laughs) Here's my question, because this is something comics and comedy writers get all the time, but do do people ever, when you're just like having a boring experience with them, turn to you and go, "Uh, is this going to be your next book? (laughs) And it's like, no, because this is incredibly boring. Nothing's interesting happens. Yeah, no,
0: I get that. Yeah. Oh, Oh, you should write a book about my friend. Oh my God, I had this, my mother-in-law, a, a lovely, wonderful woman, 96 years old. She has a friend who, um, her friend is all similarly aged and is dating a man in his forties. And uh, she said, yes. the, and the friend asked my mother-in-law, do you think Mary would write, want to write a book about this? <laughs> and I'm, part of me is like, yeah, kind of, but not the book that you think maybe? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, like, and I, and I'm just like, did you ask her? Like, is he trying to? It's got to be a money thing, right? And she's like, I can't <laughs> ask her that. She's like, give me her number.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: But, uh, you know,
2: R- I do- <laughs> wrinkle dating people 50 years younger than you. <laughs> I could see it. Huh? What do you talk about?
0: Yeah. Uh,
2: Just what you're going to eat next. Um, okie dokie. How about this one? This one, Yeah, this one will be kind of a hypothetical. Is this a good thing or a bad thing? This was sent in by Danny Dot. I believe it's Croche. I'm going to say it's Croche or crochy. Lab-grown woolly mammoths could walk the earth in six years if geneticists' new startup succeeds. This was written by the very best in the business. Her name's Catherine Clifford. You guys already know who she writes for. The coolest website on the internet, cnbc.com. <laughs> a little more than two years ago, serial tech entrepreneur Ben Lam, that's L-A-M-M, reached out to renowned Harvard geneticist George Church. The two met in Boston at Church's lab, and that fruitful conversation was the catalyst for a startup, Colossal. Which is announcing its existence, uh, I think it was, it'll be Monday, so it'll be yesterday, to everybody listening to it on Tuesday. The startup's goal is ambitious and a little crazy. It aims to create a new type of animal similar to the extinct woolly mammoth by genetically engineering endangered Asian elephants with art, uh, to withstand Arctic temperatures. Why the project has been kicking around for years, but nobody has ever given it enough funding. But now Lamb's company has um, raised fifteen million in seed funding. Uh, Who is
1: donating to this? Just a bunch of evil geniuses in their lairs, (laughs) like yes, bring back the woolly mammoth. (laughs) Yes, pretty much. Exactly. The
2: Winklevosses, for example, the Facebook Winklevosses are investing in this. Yeah. Um, As uh, is Richard Garriott, who's president of the Explorers Club, which you might have heard of. He is a video game entrepreneur who spent $30 million recently to go to space as a tourist. You know, you know, all those tents out in LA where homeless people live, where (laughs) the unhoused (laughs) live. Go to space and bring back woolly mammoths. Our goal is a successful de extinction of inter hyphen breedable herds of mammoth that we can leverage in rewilding the Arctic. And what a great time to rewild the Arctic. Everything's going great up there. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. What a great time to bring back a species just, when it's just going to be like San Diego up there exactly. in 20 years. The idea of rewilding something as well is just like is it wild then if
0: it's rewilded? Yeah. Oh, and, it's
1: going to go bad. And
0: you know what? They, you can just go to the La Brea Tar Pit Museum and they yep. have an animatronic Woolly mammoth, there. That is. Oh yeah. It's just as far as I'm concerned, it might as well be the real deal. So I don't. Do you really need? Do you really need a living, a a flesh and blood woolly mammoth?
1: I don't know. It's so so strange to just be like we're going to introduce a massive carnivore to an ecosystem that has not had that carnivore for millions and millions of years. It's such a strange it's oh it's just like these it's like billionaires just like uh uh wet dreams that are are seemingly that just it's very upsetting to me i don't know yes but then there's 10 percent of you that goes yeah but i do want to see a woolly mammoth i I mean i see one and then that's it and then i don't want them in the world it's very jurassic park that's the next thing you know very jurassic park the next thing is like biohackers, you know, who are just going to be, like, hacking your dog to make it, like, part dinosaur and then, like, sending them off into the wild. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah.
0: And just imagine if you're the first woolly mammoth. Like, how lonely yeah. is that? Oh. It's kind of like, like oh. where's, uh, where's my mom? Where's my... <laughs> well, there, yeah. Where's anybody? Yeah.
2: Where's anybody? What? Yeah, this isn't like Snuffleupagus where there's two grown men inside of it operating at the same time. And every time I see Snuffleupagus, I can't think
1: about the guy who's in the back half of that thing. Just holding on to the hips of the man in front of him.
0: I know. <laughs> Great work, Gary. Great work. Bent over for hours at a time. <laughs> yeah.
2: Oh, God. Who's doing the eyelash work on Snuffy? Great work.
0: Oh, Mary. You have been such a wonderful guest. Thank you oh so much. Oh my gosh. For an hour's on. Co- I, that was the fastest hour in the history of ours, you guys. Oh, good. Good. I'm happy
1: that it
2: didn't seem to drag. <laughs> Mary, <laughs> what is the closest major city to you, or do you live in a major city?
0: Uh, I'm in Oakland, California. Oh, you're close. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, if we ever do
2: a show in the Bay Area or Oakland, please either come on as a guest or come hang out and say, hey, we would be thrilled
1: to, to chat more. I with would you. love
0: yeah. that, you guys. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, Thank we'll you. definitely. We will definitely come to San Francisco. Or yes, Mary. please. Let me know. Let
0: me know. All right. I
1: want to come hang out. Thank the, you so much, yeah. everybody. Go read Fuzz. Get it right now. Get it while it's top before it hits number one. On the <laughs> yep. And then you have a seller Listen, you can't. Yeah, even and you get look like a poser. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Mary.
0: Oh, thanks, you guys. You're hilarious. This is so fun. Thanks so much. All right. Bananas. Bye. Bananas. Bye.
1: This has been an Exactly Right production. Produced and engineered by Katie Levine. Theme music by Kahan. And all of our artwork is done by Travis Millard.
2: You can follow us on Instagram at The Bananas Podcast, where we post stories every day and things that
1: we don't cover on the podcast. Listen, subscribe, and please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast.
2: And if you're interested in advertising on bananas, please email us at TheBananasPodcast at gmail.com. That's TheBananasPodcast at gmail.com.